The subject of the evening talk is focusing on the mind. Fortunately, it doesn't take much intelligence to see that this world is in acute state of imbalance and that this imbalance in our world expresses itself in seemingly countless forms and expressions. And we observe too, just in the, the world around us, how very little value is given to those things which have true value. And that if we lived and were able to live in a more intelligent world, we would possibly, probably, with our political leaders, give consideration to the degree of compassion that they expressed and how that compassion could be a vehicle. But this area, this field of compassion, seems to have very little relevance when giving a vote. We see too how in the world that we, that we live, live in, that the values of the inner life have very little real relevance real reference point, even for, for many of us. We see too, in this world that we live in, how much of it is characterized by conflict and confusion and pain. And one might truly say of living on, on this earth, it's not an easy place to live in. It's no holiday being on the earth. And in seeing, in seeing this as the outer expression, we might ask ourselves, well, why is it like that? And we probably have all asked ourselves, why does it have to be this way? Why is life so often a very rough road to walk along? And even though you and I, with hopefully as much frequency as possible, are able to perceive the joys and the and the beauty and the extraordinariness of life, we find it constantly such that we're faced with the opposite of it. The pain, the conflict, the confusion, the friction, the, the various expressions of imbalance. One might ask oneself, well, what's the common denominator for us as, as human beings in this world? What's, the, what's that which links up all of this diversity. And we might say the common denominator is the mind, is the state of mind, the state of your mind, the state of my mind. And the state of mind has this extraordinary and almost all-pervasive influence about the way that our world is. And it has become, and it is like it is, because of what's going on inside of the mind. Not absolutely, but significantly. And it's rather, and this has been referred to by some of you today in the groups, it's rather unfortunate too, isn't it, 
that for many, for many of you here, and myself included, are engaged in what is generally called one of the helping professions. Engaged in some kind of activity in life in which one is trying to contribute to awareness, to self-knowledge, to clarity, to, to peace of mind in, in the lives of other people. And in numerous ways we, we find a vehicle to express that concern. And yet the very people who are engaged in that concern often also we, ex we experience that there's such hardship there, such pressure, such stress in that commitment for others that it has a kind of rebounding effect on our own lives. That the work of serving or, or doing for others has its influence, its bearing and affects us. And one of the classic syndromes of that, of course, is feeling that one is burnt out. Our mind gets burnt out, gets overworked, gets stressful, gets tired, gets exhausted, gets indifferent. And once again, the focus is on the mind. And when I'm using here the concept mind, I'm referring to it in its most broad possible use. Feelings, emotions, thoughts, perceptions, ideas, memories, plans, the depth of mind, the, the state of mind, and all of that dynamic interacting with our consciousness. This generally I call it the mind, the field of the mind. So we come to a situation, just spending here a couple of days together for, for most of you, to look and find a little bit of time to be with ourselves and see actually what's happening inside of ourself. And to me, as one of you, obviously feel this is very important. I feel it's an essential priority for us, for our earth. So much so that I would say to everybody here, if it's possible for you, don't go tomorrow. If it's just to go because you have to do a job, or because you just want to be out in the sunshine, or because it's your holiday and you've got a few days left, etc., etc. If you know in your heart you have no reason to go, don't go. If it's for the pursuit of a career, certainly don't go. So in looking and getting in touch with ourselves and, and with, our, with our inner life and not giving it an absolute priority but giving it more priority, in a way it's towards making us more effective and balanced as a human being. And in this society in which we live, we don't get much encouragement for it. In looking at that, we might look a little bit more carefully, what does it mean to focus on our mind? What does it mean to, to look at ourselves? 
And the first thing one must ask, when you and I must ask of each other, what have I seen, what have I actually observed about myself during the course of the day? What have I, no- what have I noticed? What, during these sittings and these walkings, which we have been participating in, what, what have I picked up on? Has there been a, a, a thread running through my day which is standing out for me? Now sometimes the, the way that our mind responds in focusing on our mind it picks up a particular pattern. Something is standing out for me. So there's been some kind of thread, some kind of continuity of thought, perhaps, or continuity of feeling, or continuity of idea, or memory, or plan, or whatever. There's some thread which is standing out there. And there's going to be feelings and ideas and images within, within that flow, within that pattern. In now becoming aware of, of focusing on the mind and that flow and that pattern, whatever it might be, or it might be one or two or three things, when we become aware of that, that in that moment, in that time, that is called self-knowledge. Any kind of pattern, any kind of flow of mind, habit, mechanical thinking, etc., etc., is such, the characteristic of it is such, that it has its impact in the present. It influences the way you and I look at things, look at our life. And it has its influence and effect into the future. So the first question we ask is, what have I seen in myself today? And one might say a second question which comes up with that, that continuity, if there has been for some of you, if that continuity of pattern goes on, is it such that I want it to continue? Do I want that persistent, persistence to go on tomorrow and the day after? Don't want to keep experiencing that. If you've had a warm, happy, relaxed, affectionate, caring day and you feel at home with yourself and and with this uh, body of human people, then to allow that rhythm, that flow, that continuity to go on, of course. But if one has recognized other things which feels noticeably unsatisfactory for oneself. It ain't just going to go away.
In the days, and in our life in general, some patterns which are occurring, and sometimes some of these unsatisfactory patterns, has such an influence that our mind focuses on them. And we create a kind of world around that. You have to see for yourself, I have to see for myself. And so it might just start off, as it were, with I would like to do. I would like to have. I want to get away from. I want to become. And the idea and the image has gained a kind of momentum in our life. Wanting to get away from, wanting to be, wanting to become. And we've taken an interest in something, born out of some idea which has occurred. And in our own mind, we might have several of them, which we play around with. And we feed a little bit more image, a little bit more thought, a little bit more feeling, a little bit more idea, and we build up. And then we start moving towards that. I'm not saying right or wrong, good or bad, but just a kind of process which happens. And then we move towards that. And then towards something else. And it's not unusual that what starts off in our life as a distraction becomes a complete involvement. What starts off as twirling with an idea becomes an infatuation. Come on a, on a weekend retreat. Very typical situation. One comes to meditate. To sit, to be aware and to observe. But, it's a very full house here. Not as popular as the Olympics, but however, it's a full house. Some people call insight meditation practice a form of spiritual Olympics, but anyway. So, one comes, and one comes with an original motive, original idea to meditate, to observe, to, to be more in touch with oneself. But amidst this diversity of human beings, one's mind selects and picks out one. All the reasons that we do. Attractive, the villain, whatever it might be. And the day becomes one in which it's bye-bye meditation and hello to you. Inside, of course. Hopefully. <laughs> and the attention through the image and through the idea, has got moved over. And the involvement has gone completely away from that original energy, that original motivation. One can consume one's whole life like that. Life becomes a series of distractions.
Some people are extraordinarily successful at being totally distracted. You usually read about them in Time magazine. <laughs> so, there's, so there's this movement and flow of events in our, in our life in which we focus on the world in a particular way, build up a kind of world about that. And perhaps we never find time to stop and have a look at really what's happening in our life. And though the thought arises so frequently for many of us to really stop and what the hell is going on inside and for the fortunate few, what the heaven is going on inside. That creating the time to stand back and, and look becomes rare. Hence the world that we have. And speaking about focusing on the mind and the looking <coughs> direct, directly. We see during the course of the meditation that the emphasis in the meditation is very simple. Simple but significant. Insofar as the emphasis is being one of bringing the mind's attention back from forms of distraction to one of being more present. That willingness and capacity and empowerment to bring the mind's attention back is in order to be able, and not easy, not easy for any of us, to be able to face actuality in life more clearly and directly. We might say that there are two kind of primary activities of our mind. One is the movement towards and all the background and motives that make us go towards. And the other is the movement away from. And the meditation practice is to try to find, to strike a balance between these two of just being present and being aware as much as possible of what's happening. And thus there is a, an emphasis given and a strong emphasis on the reality of the here and now moment. And in that reality of the here and now moment we might begin to sense the more that we're in touch which areas of our mind as a extensive field, perhaps we need to look at more carefully. In some cases, let us say more precisely, mind-body. The totality of ourselves, if you think of yourself or look at yourself and make a small division of body, feelings and emotions, cerebral activity, intuition, the whole spiritual life, spiritual sensitivity and awareness. These, may, one might say, are major areas of your person, of my person. 
Does anyone strike you as needing more care and attention? Physical life, that means diet, posture, exercise, emotional life, does it mean more integration and harmony, or more being in touch with, cerebral life, is one overburdening the mind with concepts, with words, with knowledge, with information, which so easily becomes suffocating, it kills originality. Of spiritual life, spiritual practices. And sometimes one or more or all one's senses in one's life need more working with, need to be cultivated, need to be explored more. And self-knowledge is being clear about which. How focusing on ourselves and on our, on our inner life Sometimes, of course, quite understandably for us, is because we're already hurting too much. We're experiencing too much pain or too much discomfort or too much stress in, in our life. And we see that somehow or other there's a necessity to find balance. That we're receiving too many messages about ourselves which we can't afford to ignore. And we look around us and we look at perhaps at some of our friends and we see that some of our friends have gone down a very hard road and part of it, humanly enough, is through ignoring. <coughs> and sometimes we see too that when we are out of touch with ourselves and the way that it shows, the kind of impact and consequences that it tends to have on the world which is around us how you and I affect the world by who you are. And in this return to ourselves and in, and in being, being in, in touch with ourselves, it seems to me that some of the areas need care and attention. And one very noticeable one, frequently referred to, of course, is our whole feeling and emotional life. And so often, when, we, when that is functioning or so much disturbing in our life, it tends to make every other area of our person feel very unsettled. And one of the important spiritual faculties or qualities of mind at the emotional level is very much learning to accommodate our feelings. Because it seems to me, in my observation, that one of the major difficulties in our Western society is the great problem that people have 
in learning to accept themselves, to learn to accept the feelings, learning to accept the emotions, learning to accept the inner life which is happening. And so often, when there isn't that inner acceptance, when that's not a theme in our life, so much of our action, or sorry, reaction, can come from that alone. And one of the more characteristic syndromes is the striving to be successful. The great thirst in our Western society to become somebody who is important. To gain recognition. To have a certain kind of status and position within our society. And so much of the thought life and the fantasy life and the projecting life can be coming out of not accepting oneself. Out of one primary condition of mind, producing endless consequences. For a whole lifetime, please, for a whole lifetime. As we ask ourselves, not just today, hopefully, but we ask ourselves with a regular way, to what degree am I accepting myself as I am today? To what degree have I accepted this day with all the experiences that I've gone through? It's just like when sitting and listening to a talk. The day for quite a few of you has been rather a long day. Day starts off at six o'clock in the morning. This is not a, a typical lifestyle for many of you. The thought comes up, well, what about when we go back into the real world? So here we are all in the unreal world. And one has been sitting and one's knees have been hurting through most of the day. One's back has been hurting. One has sorely missed one's hamburgers. <laughs> and one comes to the end of the day and then there's the, the evening talk. And... Through the course, the flow of the day, of course, there's the discomfort and the pain which is, has arisen. And then one is asked or encouraged or whatever to uh, listen to a talk. But one has to listen in a somewhat similar posture as one has been sitting with all day. And so one wants to listen, or at least one starts off wanting to listen. And the discomfort is there. And then there's a tiredness which goes along with it. And the tiredness produces some irritation. Now where does the irritation go? Now some of it comes up here, thank you very much. And some of it goes to the person next to you, and some of it goes 
into the past or into the future. And so with the tiredness and with the irritation, the mind is looking for somewhere to plant it. So I must look outside and there are certain few obvious things to focus on or it turns it on itself. It's too much, it's too hard, it's too long, I'm not ready, I could be doing something else, etc, etc. So the irritation with the tiredness produces that kind of focus of mind. And perhaps we forget. Maybe it's in these times for each one of us that this is where our practice is. That this is where the practice of acceptance, not acceptance in terms of conforming, listening to, to me, but acceptance of the simple reality of this moment. Discomfort in the body, tiredness in the mind, possible boredom at having to listen whatever. But it's in these moments that the practice and the application of learning to accept, in this case inwardly, oneself, and outwardly become an important aspect of spiritual practice. Learning to be, as it were, never easy, of course, comfortable with the uncomfortable. In touch with that which we rather not experience. If I may say, from personal experience on that, I have found over the years involved in spirituality and using meditation as a primary tool and having undergone um, a number of lifestyles or whatever, from having a shaved head to long hair and all that's in between, that the practice and the focus in one's life and in one's mind is such that I don't think things ever actually get easier. I hope this isn't bad news for you. <laughs> that, and so sometimes I warn people when they, come, when they come on a retreat that I sincerely hope that you haven't come here to gain some tranquility. This basically is the last place <laughs> to choose. <laughs> And what I, mean, what I mean by that is that I feel what is of considerable more importance than just tranquility is learning to be in touch with ourselves as we are and developing in our life a greater awareness and that being here means a greater personal awareness. And that in developing that greater personal awareness that the situations of life, the dynamics of life, change 
and are changing, and some of you, as you refer to today, changing quite noticeably and dramatically. Major changes actually occurring in one's life. And it's not unusual that as we begin to feel more integrated or in touch with or harmonize with one area of one's life and have the, some sense of incorporating it into one's life, whatever that may be, that the very dynamic of the universe and of ourselves comes along, shakes us out of our treasured comfortableness and presents us with something new. And that though we may have some degree of experience with life and working with life and working with others and working with ourselves, it never seems to be such that any of us have, are able, let us say, to rest on our laurels. To be able to come to a place in our practice, in working with life and working with ourselves, to be able to say, now I have arrived. And that's why I wonder whether it ever actually really gets easier. Having said that, I've just gone against a few thousand years of tradition and the monstrous word enlightenment. So in developing a greater awareness... And the, and the looking into our relationship and our connection, our connectedness with life, hopefully, whatever the event which is occurring in our day-to-day -day life, here and anywhere else, there is an attitude of mind, so important this, an attitude of mind which is truly, I mean one's heart's got to feel this now, truly, in touch with something to the degree that one wishes truly to learn from it. That every time you and I experience confusion, pain, anxiety, and all the countless forms of agitation particularly, that something can be happening in our deeper level of our being which says, I have something to learn from this. that I need to experience this because I can learn something from it about myself, about life, about reality. And if we can bring that to our life through practice, through observation, through interest, through motivation, if we can bring that to our life, our life is going to be transformed. Life will have a different feeling about it, a different kind of quality about it, a different value system, a different emphasis, because we're bringing something which says, even in the face of the most dire circumstances, one's heart's wish, one's intuition's wish, 
is to see what is to be understood about it. Now for that to be happening in our life, in a real, not an artificial and idealistic way, but in a real way, the meditation practice is such that it develops and trains our mind to a degree to stay focused, to stay in touch with what's happening. The, the, the regularity of bringing the attention back to this moment, whatever it is for us, that's, as it were, the kernel of the practice. So that when our heart's wish is to stay with something, or stay with someone, or stay with what one is experiencing, whatever, that the mind can stay and learn and be transformed. Each time you're sitting and one is cultivating a certain quietness, certain quietitude of one's being and one wishes to move and discomfort arises, one wishes to get away from the discomfort and one lets it go and just brings the attention back to the breathing, to the moment and lets that movement, that desired movement go, one is expressing something rather beautiful. Each time one catches oneself as a human being and just is aware of the impulse and lets that impulse go or expresses a moment of mindfulness and care and consideration when walking or when eating. And in all of those ordinary everyday things that we have been participating in here together, one is expressing a very beautiful quality of a human being. And our practice and our, the flow and the rhythm of our day is towards more and more discovery of those small gestures in life which express a certain quality. And in that, that transforming factor, that inner transforming factor is such that it transformed the way that we look at clean, brushing our teeth. Experiencing a new day. Being in contact with countless people in the midst of, of the city on a, on a Monday morning. So in the time that we're here and in our home life, giving more care, attention, mindfulness to detail, to subtlety and refinement of personhood, towards truly using and applying a learning attitude to all that life presents itself to us with. And in that transforming process which takes place, 
in that one can express hope for this world. One can express a confidence in this world. Because you and I and others in countless ways are concerned about the quality of our mind and the influence that that has on our planet. May all beings be in touch with themselves. May all beings be in touch with life. May all beings abide in a focused way.